specifically because of my South African context, I think small businesses are hit the hardest with what has happened. But at the same time, they also have the ability to be the most flexible. They can literally turn on a dime. They can change a strategy overnight. And I think that's such a such a key thing for anybody who's in a smaller business to to really think about and say, we have an advantage in this in that we can turn around really, really quick. I think, you know, Lenin was was famous for quoting that there are decades when nothing happens and week, weeks where decades happen. I think we're in the weeks where decades are happening. This is Crisis Cast 2020 with me, Toby Goodman, a podcast where I get timely wisdom from experts in life and business. These guests will answer my five questions, sharing wisdom and insights to help you and me get through this global shitstorm. Today on Crisis Cast 2020, I'll be straight with you. I had to Google the attribution to the quote my guest shared with me on this one due to his accent. The quote is, there are decades when nothing happens and there are weeks when decades happen. And to confirm, it's Lenin, not Lenin. Bradley Schmidt joins me from, as far as we know, the world's strictest lockdown. That means no walks, including dog walks, no alcohol, essentials only. Bradley shares some deep insights into how he coped with losing a manufacturing business back in the crisis of 2008. And the fact that he's still here now to tell the tale should be enough for anyone, especially those of you who are running a business that can't operate right now, to listen in. Who says marketers can't be decent people? Here's my sit-down chat with a stand-up guy, Bradley Schmidt. Before we start the show, I have something for you if you identify as pod curious. It's perfect for you if you're an expert, consultant or business owner. Maybe you're wondering if podcasting is worth the effort, especially now, or perhaps you've tried podcasting in the past but have been disappointed with the results. In this free guide, Podstar, I'll share the exact seven steps we use to help publish over 2,000 podcasts each month. To get instant access, go to podcastnetworksolutions.com. Bradley Schmidt, welcome to Crisis Cast 2020. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Toby. Now, you're the first person I've had on the show who sounds like you. So um, where are you in the world? Um, I'm a South African. I live in the country area of KwaZulu-Natal. We call it the Midlands. I'm a third-generation South African, so I'm very much African. We spoke a few months ago, met a few months ago online through a community we're both in, and I was speaking to people all over the world on this podcast. Uh, But you're the first person who I've spoken to since this is all kicked off who's in South Africa. So I'd love to know what your experience is it's been so far on a, on a local level and a national level where you are? Wow. Um, South Africa uh, acted very quickly. The government acted very quickly. And as far as I understand, we've had the strictest lockdown in the world. Uh, we cannot take our dogs for a walk. We can't go for a run in the forest. They even have a ban on the sale of cigarettes and alcohol. So the military's in the streets, the police are all over the place. And the only way you can get to go anywhere is to go to the shop to buy essentials. That means all businesses shut down. And unless you can work from home, 
or have an infrastructure or some sort of setup where you can continue to run your business from home, it's pretty much stopped dead. I think another specific thing in South Africa, South Africa, I think, has the highest um, wealth inequality in the world. And so I think the impact on on unemployment, I think, is looking to head around between 30 and 40% at the end of this. So I think we're in for some very, very big challenges. I think the other thing that I wanted to just bring out is there seems to be two responses that I'm experiencing from my clients. I think the first response is, well, we'll wait and see. And I've strongly encouraged them not to do that. And the second response is, well, how do we reshape ourselves to come out the other end um, and to, to get ourselves through this? So, so I think that would be a, a quick summary of where we're at in South Africa. I think very fortunately, our numbers have uh, to date remain pretty low in terms of infections and deaths. So I think we're very grateful for that. Yes, um, that sounds crazy. Uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're reasonably locked down here in the UK, but I've not heard any description that um, severe. So, wow. Okay. Now, obviously, it sounds like you're well set up. I, I mean, I kind, of, I kind of know you to be well set up as someone who works and controls his business from home online in terms of home stuff um i don't know if you you're married or have kids or anything like that has anything changed at home i think i'm one of the fortunate ones in that i've been doing this for quite a long time working sort of in a combination of working at on client premises and from home we've mostly figured out the usual issues that happen when you you're all in one place and can't go anywhere I think the lack of social contact has definitely had a little bit of impact. There's the odd days. I think my wife and I take turns in bouncing off the walls, but but generally we've been able to cope. If my two sons, which are now grown and married, were at home, I think we'd be having a very, very different conversation right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I'm, I, I could definitely have that conversation with you, but, but we won't go there yet. So that's amazing. So with your clients, are they all in South Africa? Yes. All my clients are in South Africa. I focus on the local market. When you think about people in South Africa and, and you can see that inequality that's, that already existed before this pandemic. Yes. How do you, how do you see a way through this? And, and what do you think the optimist inside you feels like the other side of this looks like? Yeah, I have, I have quite a few thoughts about this. I think if I have to look at the, the aspect in the country, being a split first world, third world economy, there's a lot of people that depend on entrepreneurial business. Um, so South Africa does have you know, its own share of corporate business and you know, national and multinational sort of business. But uh, a, lot of, a lot of livelihoods are maintained through small business. And I think I would like to see the government really be able to change the environment to support local businesses much, much better. I think governments tend to favor bigger businesses, but I think if, if I could see that happening in South Africa, that would be a real advantage uh, to smaller businesses. There's one particular client that I'm involved with more on the, the consulting side of it, which has, has been looking at a last mile solution for retail in Africa because Africa's retail is very informal and they've developed a SaaS product that works on phones, 
where you know literally your guys sitting on the corner selling cigarettes and and lunch snacks and things like that and airtime can track their stock and all that and um i'd like to see a lot more of those opportunities find their way to the light and i think they are uh, this particular uh, product has really i think got a huge amount of potential um, and that's a very specific african thing but i think it may well translate into many of the eastern countries uh, um, asian countries where there's quite similar populations um, so yeah i think there's a lot of opportunity for saas companies to to really consider small business markets in in uh, in africa i think there's a lot of opportunity there in terms of the rest of stuff the rest of business more formal sort of business that that we have what i'm finding is a lot of my clients are are basically saying well if we come out the other end how are we going to do that and so so i'll give an example of one one customer they in the 3d printing bureau space and they've been able to adapt very very well because of a lot of the online systems that we've implemented before covid-19 broke one thing that we're definitely starting to see is the way that i would explain it is doors that were shut tight before i think are starting to open i'll give an example of a a farmer who's um sorting line for fruit and for nuts the logistics industry can't supply the parts you know because there's just no international shipments and they can't get the parts the 3d printing company has been able to take that part digitize it and produce the part for them on 3D printing now generally price wise that would not be an option um from a manufacturing point of view but now suddenly that is an option and uh, those are the kind of things that we're starting to see is barriers that were very very difficult to get past in the past are now not a barrier any at all and i think uh conversely you'll find the same thing things that you could do easily in the past i don't think you you'll be able to do them as easily anymore i think specifically uh retail is going to have to rethink the way that it works um coming out of this just in terms of um the impact that it's had on retail uh, i think some of the major retailers in south africa um may not make it out the other end of this so it's going to be really interesting to see how they adapt you know we talk talk a bit about government response and, and we've all got our personal opinions on on the government's where we are and how their responses have been are you seeing outside of the app development and stuff like that how are you leading your clients through this because you're one of the people who are in a privileged position way in the country you're in what's changing with your strategy well i think i think i came i came to quite a big conviction i've been quite comfortable servicing a very sort of uh, select and limited group of clients it's enabled me to to give them attention to detail and to really focus on them and the knowledge and the skill involved in uh, digitization of a business taking things online e-commerce digital marketing digital platforms all of that sort of stuff is a relatively rare skill in south africa and um i've realized that um i have a responsibility to to figure out how to help more businesses and so one of the things i've personally decided to do is is to look at how i can uh scale my business in such a way and i've been reaching out to you know, a number of my 
my colleagues in the marketing space to say how can we how can we share the load and how can we still deliver the kind of attention to detail that really makes um, a, a digital platform work for a company and um, and actually just be able to to service a lot more businesses and so that's definitely a path that I'm on um, I've been uh, really applying my mind to to that and and talking to to peers and really saying how can we do this and uh, I think we something's starting to form and um, I'm quite excited to see where that goes um, I think from a from a, a problem point of view because my customers are manufacturers their factory lines have just stopped um, retails being hammered and um, a lot of them you know the working from home thing just is a real challenge. So I have a number of clients that we did digitize before um, before the onset of the epidemic, and they've been able to continue the admin side of their business, uh, processing uh, inquiries, processing um, you know all of that sort of stuff. But in terms of fulfillment and actually keeping the factory line running, um, that's been uh, that's been a, a real problem for them, and uh, we've been talking a lot about how you know how, how's that going to look when we get back. And so, I think for me, I think with many manufacturers, they still have an old school mindset of you know you've got ten reps on the road, um, you're doing trade shows, you've got some mer- merchandising agents that are handling the retail channels. I think that landscape's going to look very different coming out of the other end of this. And um, there's definitely been a trend of manufacturers um, moving towards um, a more direct uh, to market channels, of which a digital channel is is one of those. And um, I think also with the financial impacts, the the stress on cash flow and reserves and all that, I think money is also going to be a, a particular issue to deal with. And um, so they're going to be wanting to keep as much margin as they can. And uh, that's, that's why I really think that coming out of this is going to be a lot more uh, traditional manufacturers who have been going on old school ways of marketing and all that, um, definitely looking towards more digital direct-to-market uh, channels and options. And that's really where I'm trying to gear myself up for is to be able to help those companies um, be able to implement that into their businesses. Because it's it's not really always that straightforward. It's not oh well, I'll just you know put up a website and start selling online. There's there's a lot more to it than that. So, so that's really yeah. what I would say has changed um, for me and the direction that I'm heading in. Yeah, and I think just another side is one particular client that I that I've worked with for for, for many years. They wanted to transition to an international market, and so what we did is we deployed a digital only strategy. And that's really worked really well for them. So, you know, I think those a combination of those sort of things is um, going to be really helpful for a lot of uh, manufacturers that are, you know, have been relying on on this old school way of doing things. Are you watching China? Are you watching how China are dealing with this? Because they're first in, first out. They're obviously a big part of uh, manufacturing globally. Where are you getting your guidance from, or are you are you looking at China at all for for inspiration of how to navigate this? Okay, so it's really interesting that you you 
point to China. I've had, uh, I've spent quite a lot of time in China at many, many factories. Um, and uh, I really respect their work ethic and the way that they, they do what they do. They are, are, are really um, <laughs> very, uh, just as, as, a, as a nation in terms of the way that they do what they do, um, very different to us Westerners in the way that they think. But uh, in terms of their ability um, to manufacture and build out factories and that, it's uh, really impressive. I think um, they've definitely been moving towards um, drop shipping type options. And I think that that is going to increase um, them doing that. Just, just, uh, just, just for clarity, could you could you explain what drop shipping is to people that might not know what that is? Uh, so that's quite a similar sort of model to um, whereas a manufacturer almost interacts directly with the end client rather than going through intermediate intermediaries. So what would happen is um, I would set up a website that focuses on a specific niche. Um, and I would want to sell products in that niche. I'd set up an online store. And then for, for when an order comes through, the fulfillment goes directly to the fact, uh, order goes directly to the factory. The factory ships directly to the end user. The person who's, uh, who's intermediate, who's the intermediary, the person who has the website, they don't even see that product. Um, it goes literally directly from the from the factory to the end user. So that's the concept of drop shipping. It doesn't come to you know my warehouse and I repackage and I send it off to somebody else. It literally goes directly from the factory. So I think China will definitely start to increase that initiative that they've already been doing. Uh, I definitely can see that. Yeah, it sounds like you've got some really valuable insights as someone who's who's been to China, who knows China with the manufacturing. It sounds like you're going to be a very valuable asset to people working in manufacturing in South Africa in the next few months. So I wish you the best with that. And I've seen you, Thank you. work very, very hard in, in the network that we're in, trying to stimulate conversation and get feedback and, and connect with members of the group. You're one of those people that stands out as someone who's consistently looking to learn and improve the processes and, and what you're doing behind the scene. It just feels so alien to me that the way you're describing how South Africa is at the moment makes me feel very lucky. It's great to know that you're there. And I think when we talk about concerns around what leaders are doing and, and, and governments are doing, there's only so much we can do. But people like you are, are the ones that are going to actually truly help lead your country out of this mess with, with strategy and, and tactics. Thank Respect. you. Can I make a comment to that particular point, specifically because of my South African context, small business? I think small businesses are hit the hardest with what has happened. But at the same time, they also have the, the ability to be the most flexible. They can literally turn on a dime. They can change a strategy overnight. And I think that's such a, such a key thing for anybody who's in a smaller business to, to really think about and say, you know, we have an advantage in this in that we can turn around really, really quick. I think, you know, Lenin was, was famous for quoting that there are decades when nothing happens and week, weeks where decades happen. I think we're in the weeks where decades are happening. And this is the real opportunity for smaller businesses to be able to, to step out and um, create, create new opportunities and 
rather than sit back and say, well, I'll wait and see or, or, or throw up their hands and say, well, you know, um, there's nothing I can do about it. This is all bigger than me. I'm just going to have to go down with the ship. I think it's the small businesses that, that present the greatest opportunity. And who knows what those small businesses might become um, if, if they, they had the courage to say, um, we're going to come through this and we're going to be flexible enough to change the way that we think about things and the way that we do things, I think. Um, yeah, I really want to encourage anybody in a smaller business, um, don't, don't let this uh, uh, take you out. Let this spur you into, into doing something that only you can do. I completely agree with that. And, and it's been my experience, right? A few weeks ago, before this all happened, I was mainly talking to larger much larger businesses than than the one I helped to run with Podcast Network Solutions. I was looking at creating those partnerships with large corporations and it was all going very, very well. And I know that some of those deals are going to happen at some point, but pretty much they've had to pause everything while they restructure and relocate You know, their hundreds or thousands of staff. Yes. So what's happened is in the short term, I've been reconnecting with the small business owners and, and freelancers and working out what they're doing and how they're going to do it. And of course, they're off. The The starting blocks are, you know, they're off while the desks in the um, 10,000 square foot capacity tower block were still getting wiped down. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're already off and, and I'm not sure you know, everything that we're trying is going to work, but the fact that we're, we're out the door quicker, I think is going to serve us. So I, I completely agree with that. And so let's kind of wrap this up with that tone in mind, because that feels good and it feels like a message that's coming through all of these interviews. Is there anything specific that's happened to you in your local area or, or in business that's, that's impressed you and surprised you? Uh, I know you mentioned the app obviously earlier, but is there, is there any behaviors and things you're seeing in your local area that's been inspiring to you? Maybe I could just, um, if you don't mind, just take a step back. I, there was this, uh, just a, a thing that I've experienced in the past that could could well be helpful just to the very uh, small businesses that I, I am talking to. Um, in in uh, 2008, I had a, a business that was importing um, laminated timber bamboo into South Africa. It was a very new market and um, I'd spent two years investing and building up this market and things were starting to go really, really well and uh, had some big deals come through and ordered the product and the product arrived from China and all the bamboo was walked. And uh, it was a big investment for me and I realized that I had to go to China to fix the problem. And uh, I went to China and and realized that... Um, I wasn't going to be able to fix the problem because essentially what they were saying, well, uh, reorder and we'll pass a credit on your next order after that. So while I was in China, I realized that um, I wasn't going to be able to fix the problem. So I decided to go and have a look at all the factories that manufactured bamboo products while I was there. And I did a tour. I went in buses and trains and airplanes all over China to all these factory, factory after factory after factory, and really got to the bottom of how um, the whole supply chain and how all the factories worked um, in that industry. And uh, on my way back, 
I stopped in Hong Kong. I always used to stop in Hong Kong for a few days and take notes and, and just think about and plan my next steps. And in the center of Hong Kong, uh, there's this beautiful garden and uh, I normally go and just sit there and Hong Kong has a very, very specific vibe. There's like a sense of um, activity and energy in Hong Kong and it just felt different. Uh, I don't know how, how to put it, but I'm not much of a TV guy, so, um, but I definitely sensed there was something different. So I went to my hotel room and turned on the TV and there was all over the news was the subprime mortgage mortgage problem. And I wasn't really sure what it was. And, and that was in November 2008. And I got back and in South Africa over, over the December period is builders' holidays. And um, so I didn't think much about it. And um, that was the beginning of the 2008 crash that really was starting to gain momentum at the time. And literally the next year, I arrived back at work and I watched um, all my customers were in the uh, construction industry. And I watched as one after the other went out of business. And um, most of them were actually pretty solid businesses, but the banks had panicked and they just pulled all the liquidity out of the market. Um, I'll give an example of one of my customers. They were building quite a big complex and uh, the agreement with the bank was you sell 50% of the units up front and we'll fund you know, each stage. So um, they fund a stage and then uh, he would self-fund it. And then at the end of the stage, they would roll the money back to him and then he would fund it. And, and that's how he was progressing. And they literally called him in and said, um, we're not advancing any more funds until you get a 80% sale rate on, on your units. And so he went and did a, a big marketing campaign with all the realtors in the area and uh, managed to get a whole lot of deals to signed up. And the banks um, denied all the home loans for those properties. And literally, he went from successful to out of business and, and lost everything. And I just watched one business after the other business do that. And so with my client base gone, I, I was absolutely didn't know what to do. At the time, I believed that you could market your way out of any problem. And uh, I, I spent a lot of time just really focusing on the marketing. And uh, in that climate post-2008, you know, I was generating two to three leads a day, seven days a week, um, and a very, very small niche of bamboo timber in a very, very small country. And the marketing was really going well, but you can't, there's just some things you can't market your way out of it. And eventually, I had to close the business. It just uh, wasn't sustainable. And that left me in a place of, well, what do I do now? And, and I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to find themselves in that place right now or in the weeks ahead where everything that they've built and everything that they've done, something bigger than them has come and, you know, just swept it away from in front of them and they, they don't know what to do. And, and so what I did at the time was, well, at first I was really not sure what to do, but I, I just took inventory of my skills and I just sat down and wrote a mind map of all the things that I could do and had done and what I'd been successful in and that. And uh, one of the things I realized is that in spite of, of a very negative uh, uh, market, real estate market, I was able to generate so many leads. And so I just took that and um, 
I started talking to people and saying, listen, have you done direct marketing? Started to spend time talking to them about it. And people started saying, yes, I'm interested. And uh, that was how I, I took the momentum from what I had learned and done uh, using direct marketing, digital marketing in my own business and started to apply everything to other businesses. And that's how I ended up where I am today. And, and the, the point that I want to make is that there, there are things that you're good at, that you do naturally well and that you've been successful at. And to take that idea and say, how can I take, uh, take what I have and use that um, in a situation where everything has been swept out from under my feet? And, and that's what I just want to uh, give as an encouragement. Um, it's, uh, uh, there is always something that you can do. And if you take that one thing and take the next step, for me, it was picking up the phone and, and phoning people and saying, can I help you with this? And um, that's how it started for me. And so I just want to encourage. I've, I've been here before, and I just want to say, you know, there is always a way out, um, even when sometimes it feels like there is no way out. There is always a way out. And uh, that would be my encouragement. Um, and that's really the message I've been, been taking to all of my clients and saying there's a way out and there are options. Um, we just need to have the courage to, to, to run them down and see where they take us. Yeah. Wow. That's an incredible story. And, um, I love Hong Kong too. It's been a while since I've been there, but, um, they're very fond memories. And I think it, it probably ruined my initial awe struck reaction of New York because I saw Hong Kong first. <laughs> it's it's the kind of way, way I describe it. It's like, oh yeah, I've seen I've seen skyscrapers like this before. Um, but yeah, wow. Okay, thank you. I mean that that's great insight, man. And I I hope people uh, inside South Africa get to hear this and and connect with you. Uh, and I hope people who are dealing with the bricks and mortar style businesses. Uh, I've mainly been speaking to um, service uh, coaches and, and and people who are very very easily. Well, I was already working online, you know, and and as much as clearly you will already were in many ways, you are directly working with people who have um, locations and 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 staff and and uh, machines that make things, and and that's that's been really interesting for me. So thanks. Thanks for your time, and um, I look forward to our next chat off air. Do tell people where they can find you. We'll, of course, put everything in the show notes too. Thank you. Um, yeah, Toby, thanks also for the opportunity to just be able to spend some time chatting to you today. Um, I really do appreciate it. I think uh, probably the best way to reach out to me is to just uh, email, email me. Uh, my email address is bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y, at marketingalchemy.com co.ca and uh, if I can help you or in any way I'll be more than happy to even if it's just to point you in a direction I'd be more than happy to do that brilliant thanks so much for coming on okay Toby bye bye now this episode of Crisis Cast 2020 was produced by me in London and Kate Astrakhan in Michigan with artwork by Ryan Field and sound design by Lee Turner 
Crisis Cast 2020 is a production from Podcast Network Solutions, a full-service podcast production company who are ready to help you plan, record, produce, and promote your message with podcasting. To find out more and grab your copy of Podstar, if you're feeling pod curious, visit us at podcastnetworksolutions.com. <laughs>